Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at God's family as we continue in our series, Family Talk. Uh, but before we jump into the message, I thought it would be fun to, to look at this uh, quick clip of a couple of uh, worship leaders actually coping with COVID-19. So take a look at this clip. Now, obviously, uh, that was just humorous, but, but I thought, especially at this point, we could all use just a little bit of laughter. But as I said, uh, we're going to be talking about God's family, you and me, all of us who are in Christ. And more specifically, uh, we're going to be talking about our church family, Crosswinds, our local church family. Now, we're heading into this transition season of, of these phases, phase one, two, three, four, and we're heading into our new normal and I just for one want to say it's exciting to see us progress. I know it's not progressing as fast as, as many of us would like it to, but it's good to see it progress. I've been getting questions, as you can imagine, and one of the questions that I've been getting most often is when will the church reopen? When will the church reopen? And I've got to be honest, every time I answer it this way, and if you've asked the question, you know I have, um, the church has never closed. The, the church has never closed. God continues to, to work in crosswinds. Crosswinds continues to, to seek to know God, to grow in a relationship with him, and to make him known, to introduce other people into that relationship with Christ. As a matter of fact, I've been so encouraged, so encouraged at seeing how the Crosswinds family has been so active in their faith uh, during this, this stay-at-home order, heading into these phases, time. Uh, I mean, we know that the church is the sum total of God's people, but I'm so proud to be a part of a local church that has been proving that over the past three months as we've seen small groups flourish uh, through Zoom and, and seen one-on-one discipleship grow and and have seen ministry actually happen in so, so many creative and powerful ways. The church is being the church. And when we boil it all down, what I realize is this, we're not the church so we can gather. In other words, we're, we're not the church so we, we can gather, but we gather so we can do the work of ministry when we scatter as God's church. When we gather, we come together to put the glory of God on display, but the purpose of, of gathering is to reinforce and scatter, to, to, to share what's happened as we scatter, to give a witness to those around us, the unity of those of us who are part of God's church, who, who scatter throughout the week, sharing his love and message with others. Now, now God has been so faithful in this time. And I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of my church family. No, I get it. When most people ask the question, when will the church reopen? What they're really asking is, when will we reopen the Canandaigua campus so that we can have weekend worship services? And that's a good question. That's a great question. However, like many questions right now, that's one that can't be answered with certainty. It can't be answered with certainty until we can be assured that we can reopen safely, that we can reopen answering the reasonable concerns of our church family and our community, 
We need to be able to provide a service that is both inviting to guests and meaningful to God's people while maintaining a solid witness to the communities we live in throughout this region. So there's a, li there's a list of things that we need to be looking at as we're looking at reopening. For instance, in phase one, we can have up to 10 people in a service. For our church, that means we would have to have 100 services a week. And then what would the fellowship be like? And, and what's the witness to the... There's just a lot of things that we have to look at and to consider as we look at having services here on this campus. Pastor Rick Warren wrote in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. In fact, he wrote this and he sort of coined this phrase that God is more concerned about our character, more concerned about our character than our comfort. And that is totally true. That God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. But I think equally true is that God is more concerned about our character than our calendar. Now, what do I mean by this? I believe God is more concerned about how we return to weekend services than when. I believe he's more concerned when God looks at our character. He says, I'm more concerned about how you return to weekend services and on the campus than when. It's difficult to answer the one question. There, there's so many things outside of our control that, that feed into that. But the how question, the how question, that's easy to answer because we find those answers clearly in Scripture. No matter when we gather, again, for weekend services, God calls us today and always to be one, united in love and united in purpose. In fact, Jesus nearly 2,000 years ago prayed for this oneness to be established in his church, John 17, verses 20 and 21. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus, in his prayer, is talking about the unity of believers. In fact, the unity of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, God's family, comes because of the unity of God. That this deep unity of purpose and the bond of love is centered upon this, this powerful relationship we've seen between God the Father and God the Son. We see it in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're, they're one. And Jesus says, just as we're one, may they be one. And in their oneness, may it be a witness to the world around of who Jesus is. In other words, the way we act and relate to one another as Christ's church either presents a positive witness or a negative one. Our oneness, the way we're united in love and purpose, it either gives a witness to the world around us that attracts them to Jesus or in some ways pushes them away. Now, it's important to acknowledge that when we look at sort of the opening up, if you will, of our country, who would have thought just, just four months ago that that would be something we'd even be talking about? When we look at the opening up of our country, and more importantly for us, I mean, I shouldn't say importantly, but more more germane to us is the opening up of our region. And as we look at the opening up of the region, 
we've got to acknowledge that there's at least three different confidence levels to getting out there. Kevin Myers, uh, pastor of 12 Stone Church, an acquaintance of mine in Atlanta, Georgia, he describes people in three categories. And, and, and those three categories, he uses a, a street light, a simple street light to describe sort of the, the different groupings of people that aren't just made up in, a, in our country, but really within our churches. The first group, if you will, is the green light people. Now, some stats tell us that the green light people make up about 20% of the people within our country, within most of our churches. Now, the green light people, like they're ready to go. Like their shoes are already on. They're ready to run to weekend service. So if I was to say we're going to have weekend service tomorrow, they're there. Like they're probably camped outside the front door. Uh, They have no hesitancy whatsoever. And about 20% of our church, I would guess, uh, is part of that green light group. The second group is, is the yellow light. And, of course, the yellow light means what? Caution. If the green means go, the yellow means caution. And this is a more cautious group. In fact, this group is made up of about 60% of our culture and probably our church. They're not coming back quickly. They're coming back, but they're not coming back quickly. They want to wait and and make sure that things are done safely, that that, that their their major concerns are, are being dealt with. They're watching very carefully what our governor is saying, what our president is saying, what what the CDC is putting out. I mean, they're looking at all the information. They're just being very cautious uh, about coming out. And that's about 60%. So the 20% is, is the green light people. And they have their shoes on. They're ready to go. 60% is this yellow light people. And then there's the red light people. The red light people are, are, are 20% of our culture, 20% probably of our church. They're, they're not coming back quickly. Uh, many of them are in the vulnerable population. Uh, they're 65 or older. They have underlying health conditions, or maybe they just have underlying health conditions. In other words, there are people that from the very beginning have had to be very careful of where they go. Now, they'll still connect uh, online. They'll still connect uh, with their small groups through Zoom. And, and by the way, as we head through these phases, we want to make sure that no matter what we do, we're still able to connect with, with, the, with the yellow group and especially this red group. We don't, want to, we don't want to leave anyone out as we move forward, but we do realize we need to move forward, understanding that the, the red light group won't we'll be coming back as quickly as the other two. Now, it's important that we understand this, that there isn't a right or wrong here. In fact, you could use science to defend being a green light person. You can use science to defend to be a yellow light person. You can use science to defend to be a red light person. In fact, if we've learned anything about science, it's how it changes. It seems like every other day we're learning something new or or, or we're learning uh, that something we had believed to be true about COVID-19 is not as true. And it's just been an interesting time. To, to sort of see people say, no, the science is on my side. No, the science is, is, is on my side. But it's not about right or wrong. In fact, we have a higher call than that. Our higher call is to move forward together to honor Christ and present a positive witness to those who have yet to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Paul 
understanding sort of the, the nature that we all have to want to be right. How about you? You don't need to raise your hand at home because there's probably some people around you perhaps and you don't want them to know this, but by the way, they already do. How many of you like to be right? I love to be right. And, and, and Paul understanding that that's sort of a part of our nature, writes in Philippians 2, 3. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Think about that. Paul calls all believers in the power and leading of the Spirit to do away with selfishness and conceit, to to honor others. He's not talking about Christians having some type of inferiority complex. He doesn't mean that that we we, we don't care about our own well-being. It's, it's, It's not thinking less of oneself. It's really about thinking about oneself less. Through the power of God, we we're given this ability to, to honor others above ourselves. If you think about the lights, you know, it, it's really understanding not just which light you are, but which light someone else is. If you're a green light person, I just want to encourage you, it's probably not all that wise just to run up and hug somebody right now if you don't know if they're a red light or a yellow light. You say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, let's humble ourselves for a minute. Let's figure out how we can lift them up instead of ridiculing them for being different. Me personally, I'm like all three in a way. Like I'm a green light person when it comes to restaurants. Like I'm ready for restaurants to be open. Like when they open up, I want to be there. In fact, I'm counting on the 60 and the 20%, the 60% that are yellow and the 20% that are red, that 80% to not go right away so that I can have a good seat. You know, I'm ready for it. I'm a green light when it comes to that. But I'm a yellow light when it comes to big sporting events. You know, some of you might have heard, but uh, Tom Brady has actually gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is my team. I grew up in Tampa Bay. I know that makes all you Bill fans excited for a lot of reasons. In fact, that probably bothers you that I mentioned the name Tom Brady in this message more than anything else I've said up to this point. I get it. But that's my team, and I have to say I'm a fan of Tom Brady. Please forgive me. By the way, if you're a believer, you must. But I'm not going to a stadium tomorrow with 50,000 people. I'm like a yellow when it comes to that. And, And I'll be honest, when it comes to taking a cruise, I'm definitely a red light. Like, I know they're not even happening right now, and I was a little hesitant before all this, but now I'm like, you know, there's just other things I can do with my time. I find that I'm a green light a lot when it has to do with me, and I'm a yellow light when it has to do with my family. I'm a green light when it has to do with me, I'm a yellow light when it has to do with my church family. But I'm willing to take much more risk for myself than I want my family or church family to take. Like if you were to say, what type of risk taker are you? I've been whitewater rafting. I love whitewater rafting. Like I'm a green when it comes to whitewater rafting. But I am a red if you ask me to go skydiving. You say, Craig, what are you getting at? We're different. We're different. And Paul says, listen, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. I see this violated so much in the mask debate. 
mask, M-A-S-K, the mask debate. Like, I, I can ask you right now, how many of you are team mask? How many of you are team no mask? And, and even then, if we were here, you would hear people, I'm team mask, I'm team no mask, you know? And, and here's this what I want to say to everybody. Let's stop shaming each other. Let's stop shaming each other. Let's act in civility and love. I, I saw a video the other day of a lady being ridiculed in a store because she didn't have a mask on. And, and, and what blew my mind was one of the people who were yelling at her, yelling through the mask, wanted to make their point, and they got up in her face and took the mask off. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. The mask team person became a no mask person, and you at the no mask person with all the other mask people. Let's not lose our mind, church. Let's not lose our mind. Let's humble ourselves. Let's, let's be reminded of, of, of what Christ has called us to. Here's one. We need to determine where the other person is on the street life before we tell them where we are. And respect it and honor them. We need to humble ourselves and act and react, loving despite of the differences we all may have. And we do that by the grace of God. Paul writes this, this powerful passage on how to live in such grace in Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. Listen to what he writes. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then catch verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's worth noting, Paul's writing this from prison in Rome. He's writing this from prison in Rome, and he's writing to show consideration to others, making allowances for differences and even shortcomings. And he's writing that this is a part of, of, of godly love, bringing unity and peace in the body of Christ. Unity is important to God and ought to be important to us. As part of God's church, we're called to preserve unity. Unity is not extinguishing differences, but, but loving one another amidst differences. After all, the church is, is one body in one spirit. Jesus Christ is our one Lord in which we share our common faith. God the Father is the Father of the, of the entire church family. As God is one, he writes, the true church ought to be one. We also discover that in Christ, every believer has been given the, the ability whatever they need in order to build up one another in the bond of peace. But somehow God's grace has, has so filled us. And, and I admit, unity is not effortless. I mean, it takes focus. It takes time for me to step back and say, God, help me be humble. Help me not fight for my right or my position, what I want. 
No, no, no. Unity is not effortless. But we do have the power to live in peace with one another in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing that as, as we bow to Christ, he gives us the ability to lift others up. What a beautiful picture. As we bow to Christ, he gives us the ability to lift people up. Through the Spirit, we can bear with one another. And you may ask yourself this question. It's a good question. Why do we need to bear with one another? And here's the simple answer. Because sometimes people act like a bear. Sometimes you do. Sometimes I do. You know? And and as Christ showed mercy on the cross. Let me say that again. As Christ showed mercy on the cross, he calls and gives us all we need in him to do the same. Remember Jesus? Father, forgive them. He bared with us as he bore our sins. When we bear with one another, when we seek unity with one another in Christ, it it brings glory to God, it it brings unity to his church, and it provides a, a solid witness to those who have yet to receive Christ. When we're unified, it makes sense that the church then just grows and flourishes in this unity, but it does glorify God and provides such a powerful witness for those around us. See, this may blow your mind, but when everything is said and done, the real win is not returning to weekend worship services. It's not. But let me say this. I, for one, am ready to do that. I, for one, am looking forward to doing that. I miss doing that. I want to be a part of the church gathered. I do. But I tell you what, the greatest privilege is is being a part of the church scattered. See, in the Western church, we've often got it so wrong, and I think that's where some of this disunity comes as it looks at weekend gatherings, is, is, is they're important, but they're not on the top of the list. Like when we look at God's sort of hierarchy of relationship with him and each other, our number one thing in our life is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's spending that time alone with him every day. And that feeds into our making disciples and a one-on-one discipleship relationship. And and that leads us into having flourishing small groups because we understand that life is done better in circles than than rows. And and right now, life is done better on Zoom than nowhere else. (laughs) And we minister together. Ministry is happening. People are helping feed their neighbors. People are, 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 are doing things for one another. They're picking up medicine for people who can't do that. They're, ministry is happening. We've had already two blood drives within our facility. We have two more scheduled. We had a diaper and formula pickup through CareNet using our facility. Ministry is happening. God's working in, in, in us as crosswinds, and he's working in our families, in our neighborhoods, that, that I believe the enemy, I really do, I believe the enemy thought, I will show the church. I will stop them from gathering. And if they can't gather, what can they do? And I believe God said, I'll take that bet. I'll show you. And the Spirit of God has been working throughout this region in a powerful way. But the American church, the Western church says, man, without weekend gatherings, we can't be the church. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. 
And, and as we step out in God's power, that's the win. See, the real win is not when we return for weekend gatherings, I'll go again, let me see, I can't wait until we do that. The real win is growing in Christ while making him known and making disciples. See, the, the weekend gathering, the gathering isn't the win. The weekend gathering is where we put the glory on God display. The, the weekend gathering is where we show the wins. It's where we testify to the wins. It's where we look at God's word and say, this is what it means to walk in the winds. And then we scatter and we win. This is currently happening in and through Crosswinds, and I believe by God's grace and power, it's going to continue. Crosswinds leadership, by the way, is looking at the calendar. We are. We're looking at how to continue to grow in Christ and ministry safely through each of the phases as we head into the new norm. We're being prayerful about it. We've sought guidance on this. We are we are, we are seeking every single day how we can be more effective and how we can move toward that new norm that's right around the corner. Let's not lose patience now. There's a survey you've been hearing about. You're going to hear about it again at the end of service. Make sure you take part in that because we need to know how many of you are green lights, how many of you are yellow lights, how many of you are red lights. That's going to help us be able to uh, make some of these future decisions and and there's some other information there. It's six questions, only six questions. I said six questions, that's fine. Six questions. <laughs> It'll only take you at max two minutes. Would you take that survey for us, please? Church, listen to me. We will gather again. I'm looking forward to it. We will gather again. But as we move forward together, let's encourage one another to allow the Spirit to form Christ's character in us. After all, that's what God desires most for us, his character, his character formed in us. When we bow to Christ, he gives us the ability to lift others up. That's what God's family does. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for, for the winds but I do believe the enemy wanted us in this time to, to lose heart, to give up. That somehow the enemy believed that those of us here at Crosswinds, that we believed the weekend service was all we could do. And I'm thankful that through the power of your spirit, we've shown the enemy that you have winds outside of this building. That our small group ministry is flourishing, that people are being discipled, that people are being ministered to, that there is a witness in our community that that in many ways has been so amplified during this season. And we do pray that that continues. Lord, be with each and every one of us, whether we're a green light person and, and just asking, Lord God, give us patience and understanding, whether we're a yellow light person saying, God, help me know when it's, when it's right to step out, and whether we're a red light person who needs to make some hard decisions on when to come back and how to come back. Lord God, it doesn't matter. My guess is we... We sort of fluctuate on the street light. But Lord, you are our anchor. You're our guide. Lead us and guide us. Help us be unified. Help us be unified because as you form Christ's character in us, 
you give us a solid witness to those who have yet to receive you. And that's really what we're about. And when we gather together, and we will, I can't wait to share the many, many wins that we haven't been able to share with each other because we haven't been together for weeks. So move us forward together in you, in love, in unity. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.